Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. We have a huge guest in the second hour. No, not the president. He'd be the hugest of the huge. Uh, but I'll keep it a surprise. I'm not going to keep it a surprise to annoy you. You'll understand when the time comes. You won't want to miss it. It's the second hour. Eastern time at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. The latest national poll, our friends at National Review, of the Democratic primary shows a three-way virtual tie for first place. Warren, Sanders, and Biden. Now, I might note that they're all white people running around attacking white people. It's the strangest damn thing. It's the weirdest damn election I've ever seen on the Democrat side. You got three old white people in the lead attacking white people. Larry Sabato points out that the poll is a small sample size, which means it has a wider than usual margin of error. Fox News, CNN, Morning Consult have all conducted polls in August showing Biden with a double-digit lead. Now, it's hard to resist, ladies and gentlemen, but you'll notice lately I've been resisting playing Joe Biden's gaffes, haven't we, Mr. Producer? We used to play them all the time, to the point where it really irritated the man, as it turned out. But I'll leave it to the backbenchers to do it, at least for now. I don't know that I could withstand... Not playing it forever, but the reason I'm not is because I want him to be the nominee. Because I think Trump will mop the floor with this guy. Okay, anyway. It goes on at NNR. We'll know soon enough whether the Monmouth poll is an outlier or a leading indicator in the Democrat Party. But one very interesting finding in the poll, one that can't be chalked up to a large margin of error is the contradictory evidence about the popularity of Medicare for all among Democrats. Listen. As the New York Slimes has reported, at the heart of the Medicare for all proposals championed by Bernie Sanders and many Democrats is a revolutionary idea. Abolish private health insurance. Mammoth reports on the issue of health care. 58% of party voters say it's very important to them that the Democrats nominate someone who supports Medicare for all. Another 23% say it's somewhat important. 10% say not at all. 9% aren't sure. But it's not clear that Medicare for all means the same thing to all voters. 
when asked specifically about what type of health care insurance system they prefer, 53% of Democratic voters say they want a system that offers an option to Medicare while retaining the private insurance market. Only 22% say they want to move to a system where Medicare for all replaces private insurance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, there's 7% prefer to keep insurance private for people under 65, but regulate the costs. And 11% want to leave the system basically as it is now. So 81% of Democrats say it is very or somewhat important that the Democratic nominees support Medicare for all, but 78% of Democrats do not support the provision at the heart of Medicare for all, which is the abolishing of private insurance of the sort that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have been promoting. Have been promoting. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this Democrat Party has more, <coughs> excuse me, more than one Achilles heel, these candidates. They have more than two Achilles heels. If centipedes had Achilles heels, they'd have a centipede's worth of Achilles heels. People don't support abolishing the private health care. They want prices to come down. They want more options. And only the private sector, really only competition can provide that. Not a government-run private system, which is kind of what we have today. So the Democrats should be forced to eat their proposals. The Democrats want to run on reparations. Let them run on reparations. But first let them explain it. Reparations for whom? For whom? Paid by whom? It's not so simple once you start to figure this out. You'd have to show a lineage to a slave. Well, how do you show that? What are you going to do to prove that? Some people can. Most people probably can't. It's not reparations for all black people. It's reparations, we're told, for the progeny of slaves. Well, how do you separate that out? And what if you have a mixed situation, like you have a mixed individual? You know, race doesn't tend to be pure, you know. Let's say you go back, and it turns out that a person today has a great-great-grandfather who was a slave, and a great-great-grandfather who was a slaveholder. What do you do then? So we ought to force the Democrats to explain exactly what they mean by reparations. And we should also use the opportunity to remind people of the Democrat Party's past. It's the party of slavery. They want to talk about slavery. Talk about slavery. It's the party of segregation. Talk about segregation. Talk about the Democrat Party. It's the party of Jim Crow. Go ahead. We have an entire generation of individuals who have no idea. None. And we ought to talk about, as I did last week, the costs. Because the Democrats and the media do not want to talk about the costs. So we should. 
you folks in the lower middle class and poor folks who don't pay any taxes now, you will. You're going to pay a lot of federal income taxes. You folks are said to be in the middle class. Your taxes are going to go up anywhere from 216% to almost 1,000%. You folks that earn over $200,000 a year, well, we're going to need 100% of your income. 100%. This is why the Democrats are talking about a wealth tax. Because they know a federal income tax doesn't come close to paying anything that they're proposing. So they, they're coming out with a wealth tax, and they're pushing this. This is in the uh, MSN.com. The income tax is the Swiss army knife of the U.S. tax system, an all-purpose policy tool for raising revenue, rewarding and punishing activities, and redistributing money between rich and poor, they write. Writes Richard Rubin. The system could change fundamentally if Democrats win the White House and Congress. The party's presidential candidates, legislators, and advisors share a conviction that today's income tax is inadequate for an economy where a growing share of rewards flows to a sliver of households. So notice, even the media sound like the radical kook Democrats as they write this. For the richest Americans, Democrats want to shift toward taxing their wealth. Instead of just their salaries and their income and their assets. The personal income tax indirectly touches wealth, but only when assets are sold and become income. But more than that, income tax is when you earn money on a yearly basis. See, a wealth tax is a double tax. You've already paid taxes on what you've earned, and you've invested it or bought things with it, but that's not enough. They want an ongoing wealth tax, an income tax, with a confiscatory tax rate that will destroy this economy. And by the way, a wealth tax is unconstitutional. But they don't care. They'll look for some Obama judges. They'll hope that the, uh, you know, that the activists on the Supreme Court will hold, and you'll throw in maybe, you know... Uh, a Roberts, maybe even a Kavanaugh. Let's go on. At the end of 2017, U.S. households had $3.8 trillion in unrealized gains in stocks and investments. In other words, folks, you invest in the stock market on the long, for the long haul. You don't invest on a yearly basis. So you keep your money there, and sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down. You've heard Rick Edelman. The guy's brilliant. It's dollar cost averaging, you know, some years up, some years down, but in the end, it's a gradual increase. It's pretty steady as you look over history. Well, the Democrats are saying, well, we don't want to look over history. We want to whack you each year. Whether you sell those stocks or not. So $3.8 trillion in unrealized gains in stocks and investments, plus more in real estate, private businesses, and artwork, according to Economic Innovation Group. So imagine what would happen to real estate and artwork and private businesses. They would kill these markets. Kill them. So you own real estate. You pay a property tax in every state on your real estate. Well, now they want a federal wealth tax on your real estate. Do you know why there's no federal property tax? Because it's not in the Constitution. So how are they going to get federal wealth tax? You own a private business. 
You're not going to have towns and states telling you what your minimum wage is. You're going to have health care for all you're going to have to pay for. It'll be a monumental cost. You're going to have to pay for family leave, another monumental cost. And then on top of that, the federal government's going to come in and say uh, wealth tax. Why is it that the Democrats never think of ways to expand liberty and opportunity and creativity and productivity? Instead, they're always trying to choke the golden goose. And they think they'll choke the golden goose, and yet the golden goose will continue to lay golden eggs. It doesn't work that way. Democrats are eager to tap that mountain of wealth to finance priorities such as expanding health insurance coverage, combating climate change, aiding low-income households. Their ideas range from new rules on inherited assets to a plan by Senator Ron Wyden, Marxist Oregon, for annual taxes on unrealized gains. Annual taxes on unrealized gains. So in other words, you own, let's say, a share of stock, and it goes up that year, but you don't sell it. You want to hold on to it. That's an unrealized gain, so we're going to tax it anyway. Now, let's say it goes down in value. Well, it's not like they're going to suddenly give you a credit. So they tax you if it goes up. They laugh at you if it goes down, even though you don't have the benefit of using it because you haven't sold it yet. Senator Warren wants to tax wealth directly. The whole tax system is stacked in favor of tax avoidance, says Wyden, who would lead the Democrat committee on taxes if the Democrats take the Senate, the Finance Committee. When you stand up and you say, hey, look, you've got one system for a cop and a nurse and another for high flyers to pay what they want to, when they want to, everybody nods. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody's going to get ripped off here. You have an IRA, you have a 401k, you have some kind of union or government pension. You're all going to get whacked in the neck. They use this Marxist class warfare to get what they want. None of these people with these proposals have ever created jobs in the private sector. None of them have had to meet payrolls. None of them have paid salaries. None of them have paid pensions. None of them have paid medical care for their, uh, for their folks and so forth. They haven't invented a thing. They haven't produced a thing. They're politicians. This is why the firewall in our Constitution was broken in the New Deal, broken again in the Great Society, broken again with Obamacare. It's appalling. More when I return. Mark Lovin. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission— to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. 
These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. Now, all we hear about in this country is sack the rich and help the poor. This is who the Democrats claim to want to help, the poor. Now, PJ Media, Tyler O'Neill, a new study debunks liberal claims about grinding poverty in America compared to other developed countries. Accounting for how much America's poorest 20% consumes rather than measures like income that can be misleading for reasons that are fairly obvious, you know, government income and so forth, which isn't counted. Are you aware of that? When they determine if somebody's poor in this country, they do not account for all of the government subsidies and programs. The study finds that the poorest fifth of Americans consume more resources than the average person in 64% of the other countries in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. On average, a person among the poorest 20% of Americans consumes more goods and services than the average person, hello, than the average person, average person in Canada, Greece, the United Kingdom, Sweden, Australia, Spain, Portugal, Japan, Denmark, Iceland, New Zealand, Slovenia, Slovakia, Israel, South Korea, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Poland, Chile, Hungary, Turkey, and Mexico. Quote, our study shows that because of unreported income, charity, and non-cash government benefits like Medicaid and food stamps, consumption by America's poorest 20% exceeds the national averages even in developed nations. James Agresti, president of Just Facts, said in a statement on the report, I think I should explore this a little bit further with you to debunk this myth. To debunk this myth. 20, our lowest, poorest fifth of Americans, consume more resources than the average person in 64% of other countries including developed, advanced countries. I'll be back. The good, the true, the beautiful. Think about those concepts for a second. What do they mean? How can one begin to understand these high and noble ideals? It starts with the right kind of education. This kind of education used to be common, but it's become increasingly rare. It used to be that college students, young people, would study comprehensively a variety of subjects from Philosophy to politics to biology, a core curriculum, in other words. Sadly, that's not the case these days. 
But I can tell you about one place where young people study like this, Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students work hard, spending more than half their time studying the core. The result? Hillsdale alumni are leaders with intelligence and character, ready to make a difference in their families, communities, and country. But it all starts with that core. The core that develops moral and intellectual virtue. The core that helps them understand the good, the true, and the beautiful. Find out more about what education is meant to be at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Conservative and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. So what this study did, this, this brilliant study, it didn't look at income because apparently that's quite a variable. Like I said, in the United States, when Bernie Sanders, indeed, when the official government stats come out on poor in America, it doesn't count Medicaid, food stamps, the wide variety of massively expensive government programs that are used to subsidize people at a certain income level and below. It doesn't count. So the numbers are always going to be perverse and skewed. So what this study looks at is consumption. Consumption. And based on the propaganda we've heard since we were little kids, the lies, the myths, since we were little kids, isn't it shocking to hear that America's poorest 20% consumes consumes more resources than the average average person in 64% of other countries that are in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So the poorest 20% of Americans consume more goods and services, again, I want to repeat this, than the average person in Canada, Greece, Britain, Sweden, Australia, Spain, Portugal, Japan, Denmark, Iceland, New Zealand, Slovenia, Slovakia, Israel, South Korea, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Poland, Chile, Hungary, Turkey, and Mexico. What does that tell you? Two things. The capitalist system works, despite the fact, number two, that we already have a massive redistribution of wealth taking place in this country, despite the fact that the Democrats want to tax wealth, and have massive new entitlement programs for basically this same population. The unreported income, the reason why in this study they rejected that, was because it doesn't include federal government non-cash benefits like Medicaid and food stamps. In other words, medicine and food, which are two of your biggest expenses. It doesn't include charity. It doesn't include any of that stuff. Any of it. Dr. Heinrich Schneider, professor of economics at Nordakademie University in Germany. Remember what I said. Say it fast and nobody will know if you pronounce it right. And the chief economist of Swiss Federation of Small Medium-Sized Enterprises analyzed the report and endorsed its methods. He said, this study is sound and conforms with academic standards. And I think it personally provides valuable insight into poverty measures and adds considerably to this field of research. Now, the left will ignore it or denounce it. And by that, I include, of course, the media. 
Now, this report was published yesterday. And it counters claims from a July 1 New York Times video op-ed claiming to present, quote, a more truthful approach to the myth of America as the greatest nation on earth. We are now having to push back against the New York Times and the other frauds in the media who are incessantly attacking our country. Times producers Tig Jensen and Rima Raza claim the U.S. has fallen well behind Europe and is more in common with developing countries than we'd like to admit. The video claims that while America is the richest country, the U.S. is also the poorest with a whopping 18% poverty rate, closer to Mexico than Western Europe. And this claim echoes the constant refrain of Bernie Sanders that America has the highest rate of childhood poverty of any major country on earth. So in order to examine how the poorest in the U.S. truly stack up, the group called Just Facts analyzed the data from the OECD, the World Bank, and the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. And they found that the Times is not merely wrong about this issue, but is reporting the polar opposite of reality, which is pretty much what the New York Times does. The New York Times reported the OECD poverty rate data. The group measures relative poverty within nations, not between them. It assigns a higher poverty rate to the United States, 17.8%, than Mexico, 16.6%. But the World Bank shows that 35% of Mexico's population lives on less than $5.50 a day, compared to only 2% of the population in America. Because they focus on income, which excludes many non-cash benefits the poor receive from our government and private charity. Health care from Medicaid, free clinics, children's health insurance program, food from food stamps, school lunches, soup kitchens, food pantries, welfare programs, housing and amenities provided through rent subsidies, utility assistance, homeless shelters, all excluded. Even the World Bank data, which includes these items, is incomplete (coughs) based on its household service. So when politicians and the media talk about income inequality, they often use statistics that fail to account for large amounts of income and benefits received by low- and middle-income households. So this greatly overstates inequality and feeds deception narratives, says Just Facts. The more reliable measure of material well-being is the consumption of goods. Am I boring everyone, Mr. Producer? I think I'm shedding a floodlight on the truth. Focusing a floodlight on the truth. The more reliable measure of material well-being is the consumption of goods and services. And the World Bank prefers this measure due to practical reasons of reliability and because consumption is thought to better capture long-run welfare levels than current income. So the average consumption number for the first 20%, ready for this? In America. The average consumption number for the poorest 20% in America is $57,049 per household. 2.6 people per household, 
or $21,673 per person. This figure, along with all the other data and calculations, is crucially important. While many of the 34 OECD countries have an average consumption level above the lowest 20% of Americans, the poorest Americans still consumed more on average than nearly 65% of those countries in 2010. Consumption. Very few people in America should be starving to death. Now, doesn't mean everybody's living better than everybody in New Zealand and Greece and Japan and Denmark and all the rest of it. Report points out because people make quality of life decisions. What communities they may live in, personal choices, the local politicians they elect, the violent crime that's committed in their areas, spending decisions they make. Unfortunately, they write, U.S. households receiving food stamps spend about 50% more on sweetened drinks, desserts, and candy than on fruits and vegetables. In other words, people still make their own personal decisions. Households not receiving food stamps spend slightly more on fruits and vegetables than on sweets. Even so, the fact remains that the bottom 20% in the U.S. consume more than the average in 65% of the other countries. Now, in order to rebut the Times' claim that the U.S. has more in common with developing countries than we'd like to admit, Just Facts included uh, information of the poorest Americans against the consumption of a host of developing countries. Even America's poorest consume three to 30 times more goods and services than the average for all people in those other countries. So, in other words, our media lie to us. They conceal information from us they play with the the information in order to push their agenda and then they turn around in the case of the president and call him a serial liar he's lying about this he's lying about that the media are lying all the time about race and racism about hunger and poverty about law enforcement, and on and on down the list. The media lie all the time, and they push propaganda all the time. And they find their quote-unquote experts to voice opinions they agree with because that is their ideological, social activism approach to quote-unquote news. Which is why this battle between an honest media and a dishonest media is so very, very vital to our nation and its survival. And its survival. Now, I've just given you a boatload of information in the prior 45 minutes. Now, I wonder sometimes, should I save it for the third hour? Should I save it for Levin TV, for subscribers who are really focused in? Or say, you know what? Let it fly. Facts are facts. Information's information. And the more people, I believe, who are armed with knowledge, true knowledge, the more likely we are to survive. 
So we are a beneficent people. That is, we are a good and giving and charitable people. The Democrat Party builds its agenda on lies. They fashion their policies on lies, on hysteria, on groupthink, on balkanization and tribalization. They propose nothing that would strengthen the society. They propose nothing that would breathe further vitality into the economy. They propose nothing that recognizes the value of the individual human being. They propose nothing that embraces our founding principles. Nothing. Zero. I'll be right back. Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. It's so important what you're doing, Mark. Listen, I have a quote here from Lenin's Collected Works. This proves what you've been saying, and this comes straight from Lenin's own writing. I'm just going to read you a short paragraph. Consequently, there should be approximately the following formulation. We demand the immediate expropriation of large enterprises, perhaps in the form of a direct federal property and income tax, with such high, revolutionarily high rates for large properties that the capitalist will, in fact, be expropriated. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about taking over the means of production gradually so that most people won't even realize it. In more recent communist writings, they want to target the biggest corporations first because they could unite a lot of people against the biggest corporations because that will also make the most economic havoc once they do that, they're going to go down to the smaller corporations and smaller businesses and work their way down until there's no more free enterprise. They actually write about this recently, I got from the Communist Party. So this is a movement, and it's well thought out, well planned. Maybe most of the people implementing it may not even realize what the end result yeah, is. Yeah, but you know, Bernie Sanders does. Oh, he knows. Bernie Sanders definitely knows. Mm-hmm. And I believe all of these people running for president, most of them have known connections to communist groups, communist parties. Well, now, I don't know that. I can't, I can't agree with that phrase. Was, 
that was exposed by Trevor Loudon, who's doing great research that a lot of people now are depending on. He only reports what we could document. A lot Honestly, of no that, offense, I don't know who that is. Uh, well, he put out the documentary that I happen to be in, The Enemies Within, and he's been okay. compiling information. Could I give you his website? You could look it up. No, I, I mean, I, I give it to uh, Mr. Producer, and I'll take a look at it beforehand. All right, Jimmy, I got a roll. No offense. Got to keep moving here. I'll tell you who the guest is coming up. I look very much forward to this. Her name is Dr. Bandy X. Lee, medical doctor, among other things. She was a prime author of The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. You've seen her on TV. You've seen her on CNN and MSNBC, among other places, in which she has made several statements about the president's mental health. She is, according to her book, much of which I've read, assistant clinical professor in law and psychiatry at Yale School of Medicine, earned her degrees at Yale, interned at Bellevue, was chief resident at Mass General, was a research fellow at Harvard Medical School. She was also a fellow of the National Institute of Mental Health. She worked in several maximum security prisons, co-founded Yale's Violence and Health Study Group, leads a violence prevention collaborators group for the World Health Organization. She's written more than 100 peer review articles, edited academic books, and is author of the textbook, Violence. Now, her premise, and as you know, she's been all over the media talking about it, trying to turn to it, where she states, well, the Ford is written by Robert J. Lifton, and this book includes 27 essays from psychiatrists and mental health experts who assess the president. And I reference this book and uh, Dr. Lee in my book on freedom of the press. And so I want to have a discussion with her about her findings. Uh, And um, in the prologue with Judith Lewis Herman, another doctor, She writes at the beginning, soon after the presidential election of 2016, alarmed by the apparent mental instability of the president-elect, we both separately circulated letters among some of our professional colleagues, expressing our concern. Most of them declined to sign. A number of people admitted they were afraid of some undefined form of governmental retaliation. So quickly had a climate of fear taken hold. They asked us if we were not wary of being targeted and advised us to seek legal counsel. This was a lesson to us and how a climate of fear can induce people to censor themselves. Others who declined to sign our letters of concern cited matters of principle. Psychiatry, we were warned, should stay out of politics. Otherwise, the profession could end up being ethically compromised. The example most frequently cited was that of psychiatrists in the Soviet Union who collaborated with the secret police. It's a serious consideration, and she goes on. And so it is my hope, it's my belief that Dr. Lee will be with us after the break that's coming up right now. See you soon. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. 
attorney Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. Dr. Lee, Dr. Brandy, uh, Bandy Lee, how are you, ma'am? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very, very well, thank you. Good. You've been on TV a lot lately. Late so I, I have one? some I have some questions for you. May I ask you a few questions politely, of course? Sure. Are you a Democrat? I'm not. Did you vote for Hillary Clinton? I did. Have you ever voted for a Republican? I supported a Republican. Yes. Who was that? Uh, I'd rather not say. Are you a liberal? And a conservative. Both. A liberal and a conservative. Now, in what ways are you a conservative? I am a devout Christian. Yeah. I am. I believe in the founding principles of this nation. So I'm a. I'm a. A, a great patriot, if you will. So you believe in pro- property rights. Um, to a certain degree. I see. Not in you believe. You believe in. You believe in limit. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think it's gone too far in our Pri- day. Private property rights? Do you believe in limited federal government? Uh, why are you asking me these questions? Because I want the public to know you, but it's okay. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Uh, because I am, uh, I'm first and foremost a medical professional. But that's, that's I'm my... I'm a very political person. But, but you have entered the realm of politics, whether you're, it's winning or unwitting. So uh, these are not really not harmful questions. Uh, oh, you're asking if I have any conflicts of interest. I don't. No, I not in the least. No in you're a psychiatrist, right? Yes. I'm an attorney. I'm trying to delve in a little bit, and you can delve into me if you'd like, but I, wanna f- I just want to finish what I consider to be fairly okay. I- innocent questions so the nation can know you. That's okay. all. Sure. You believe in the founding principles. Yes. Do you believe in all the Bill of Rights? Um, Do you believe in the Second Amendment? Um, I actually don't really know the exact um, meanings of the Bill of Rights. What I studied was Enlightenment literature. So, uh, Enlightenment, that would be like Locke and Montesquieu? And Hume, yes, and Adam Smith, yes, and all kinds of great thinkers. Well, we agree on that. Yes. All right. <clears throat> what uh, you've written a book along with twenty-seven others about the president of the United States in his state of mind, correct? Yes, and now thirty-seven others. Uh, thirty-seven others. others. 36 other mental health experts. There are other authors in the book, of course, but we don't count them as mental health experts. All right. How many mental health experts are there in this country? Tens of thousands? uh, Hundreds of thousands? Hundreds of thousands, yes. All right. have, Have you ever met the president? I have not. Have you ever spoken to the president? No. Where do you get your information about the president? You watch the television, you listen to the radio, read newspapers? No, actually I did a uh, a fairly intimate analysis of him uh due to the information that was in 
the Mueller report. Uh, it is exactly the kind of information we look for, collateral, close associates reports, um, out of uh, objective uh, observation, in, in other words, uh, observations from outside of uh, the president's head. No, well, um, no, 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 wait a minute. You wrote your book before the Mueller report. I, I'll uh, get to the Mueller report in a minute. Okay, okay. I read your book. Yes. I even cited in my book. Okay. I read the various essays. What is your book? Unfreedom of the Press, uh-huh. one of the First Amendment issues. But my question okay. to you is this. In March... I believe it was of 2017, you decided there's something wrong here. Let me hold this, this event at Yale, and a relative handful of mental health experts got together. I mean, it was basically an emergency meeting, a cause for alarm about what was taking place. My question well, to you... It's so much a cause for alarm. Uh, actually, the alarm happened much earlier, but... Uh, earlier? When? When, when did it happen? Oh, the alarm for myself? Yeah. Um, early 2016, I believe. Um, and, what, and what was it that triggered your alarm in early 2016? Uh, the interactions I saw between the uh, presidential candidate, Donald Trump, and um, his rally attendees. And his rally attendees. Yes. Okay. So it so, was a real-time interaction and response uh, in real life, uh, as recorded, of course, but, but it was um, an observation of real interaction. So you looked at the president and his rally, and you saw the people who were applauding him, and, and it, it, the things that were said and done upset you. Uh, well, or was it, it all was clinical? disturbing, yes. It was disturbing. It was disturbing. And um, so my question to you is this. You did no, obviously, scientific diagnoses. That's not possible from a distance. And you say in your um, book... That, that, I, I hold, hold on, so. I, I, I'm uh, going to make the point. I was point. bringing Go my ahead. scientific knowledge and psychiatric training, as well as my experience in public health. So I was quite aware of what these signs represented, and they have borne out to be true with time. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. So you're watching these rallies, and your experience, your education, your experience, to, we have a problem here. A problem? And, and you say, we must have a problem here, right? You wrote the book. It's full um, of problems that you saw. Now right, let me ask you this. Right. Um, I would say but, but, more a danger. Um, all right, yes, and you say a danger... Evil. Because, you, hold on now, I want the public to hear this too. Okay. You say a danger, because if you didn't call it a danger, you would have to have done some kind of diagnosis. And of course, no, you didn't no, do any actually, kind of diagnosis. And, in, and hold on now, let me make my point. You can, re, re, okay. re, you, can, you can rebuke it. And so you call it a danger, and because you see a danger, you see no conflict in having done, no ba- having done any basic diagnosis, because you can't from afar. Uh, right? Actually, that's untrue also. It's been scientifically proven that for certain conditions, um, a diagnosis is more accurate from a distance without a personal interview. Really? Yes. And, and is, this, is this considered mainstream thought in psychiatry? Yes. That you it can do a diagnosis from a distance? And yes. Uh, wow. It is for certain conditions, only a certain 
uh, number, and uh, you really need to know what kind of information you need. So the I diagnoses see. nowadays are not like they were before. Before 1980, they were based on introspection. You would really need to get into the inner thoughts of the person to form a diagnosis. But nowadays, diagnoses are based on uh, actually outside observations, just observing the person. In fact, um, uh, for certain diagnoses, because a personal, in a personal interview, the person will tend to, um, can sometimes mislead you, uh, give you the picture they wish to present rather than... All right, uh, let, me, let me move reality. on. Fair enough. Fair so enough. so uh, an interview in those circumstances would be less accurate than if you went after information okay. there that is given got by it, other people. And so you do this, may I call it, a, a distant diagnosis. No, I have never put? diagnosed. That's what oh, I would okay. like to uh, really make clear, that yes. I have never diagnosed. So what I'm did you do? I'm not interested in diagnosing. I'm not interested in the so what did you mental do? health of uh, Donald Trump. I am only interested in the public health effects. All right, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your book is full of allegations about the personal mental health of Donald Trump, and so are the essays. I told you I read your book. Yes. Uh, so the effects, public health effects. So everything exists in an ecology. Uh, we can't isolate the person from society, especially if they're in the office of the presidency. But you and still, cannot, you still, uh, but you still, society from hello, the you president. still, before you, before you, seems to me as a matter of simple logic before you can look at the ecology or the environment of the situation within the person is operating, you need to know more about the person. You know nothing about no, Donald Trump, you do you? Ma'am, ma'am, you don't know a thing a about Donald Trump's mental health, do you? And now I do. I told you. I, uh, I had a hypothesis. So this no, 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 no. This is, this is, this uh, is <laughs> doublespeak. You don't is, have a single scientific diagnosis from which you can analyze the mental health of the President of the United States. I Do told you? you I'm not interested in a diagnosis. I agree you cannot diagnose from afar. I have not diagnosed. But, but then you change you the terms. You talk you about an ecology. From afar, you can tell, yes. So you always look at an ecology, even in an individual. You look at their biology, psychology, and social circumstances. You do not isolate any of them. That's fine, and you're repeating yourself. I'm a quick study. I understand exactly what you said. What I'm saying to you is this. You're taking a subject, the President of the United States, another person, another human being, and you're projecting them on to the general society, you're, project, you're projecting them on to a general ecology. You can't not project them on to anything because projecting. you don't know anything about him. Well, let me ask you this. Situation as a whole. Well, did you analyze the situation of Hillary Clinton? I always emphasize that dangerousness is about the situation, not the person. Ms. Okay. Trump, is she as dangerous? A citizen would not be a danger to society. Hillary Clinton never raised alarms for me. Um, and she was Secretary of State. She do, was a senator. She was a first do, lady. It, was, it does not have to do with one's political party. So it's, uh, it's I fear political. it does. In political discourse, you give both sides equal say. But in medicine, medical neutrality means you bring the same standards no matter what political party. But you don't. And if the person meets the standards, then you make the But you don't. Uh, the I, went, I, I went through your book 
doctor. Yes. Show me the list of your standards. What page oh, are they on? Uh, um, so let me just comment. Uh, just because... Um, uh, you know, it's I not a complicated signed. question. Where's the list of the standards in your book? Uh, let me just finish. Uh, just because I see signs in Mr. Trump does not mean I have no to offense. You sound like a palm reader. I'm asking you where are the standards. Look, you're a professional. I'm a professional. I have rules of ethical uh, conduct. Like a professional, and you have. Yell, no, I don't please? want to. You have rules of ethical conduct. I'm asking you. For a list of your standards. Uh, Mr. Levin, you said you're a legal professional. I will tell you. Are you going standards. to diagnose me from afar now? No, 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 no. Uh, let me make an analogy. I'm trying yes. to make myself understandable. So, when you're a legal pr- professional, you do not declare someone criminal or, uh, or innocent from afar without having the evidence, right? Right. And so once you have enough evidence, you make a conclusion, right? Right. And for every assessment, you have certain standards as to what would count as valid evidence. Is that correct? Correct. It is the same in psychiatry. So no, it's not, apparently. On, See, we uh, have rules of professional conduct. If, if I, if, go ahead. Depending on the assessment you are making, if you have the correct information and have enough evidence, then you can make an assessment. No, no, no. You're sitting back watching television. Here, I never made a diagnosis. Ma'am, you are sitting back watching television. You never even bothered to go to any one of his rallies and talk to any of his people. You've never taken the time to do any serious scientific, medical, or investigative activity. You've uh, sat. I let me finish. Said- let me finish. You've sat. Ba- I read your damn book. You sat back. You and a I gaggle of like-minded psychiatrists it, it, and it, it, psychologists. Please don't talk over me. You're a professional. You sat back. You made an observation based on a uh, a bias that you had. It's not really a dialogue. You're trying to uh, you're trying to pigeonhole me. I'm going to let you speak. You sat, you sat back. In my humble opinion, I'm doing a di- I'm doing an analysis of the You're general ecology, sitting back opinion, and watching uh, you. Very humble. Or What's even, that? Uh, oh, I'm not humble. I never said I was. You said you, in your humble opinion. That's a humble opinion, but I'm not humble. A, a humble opinion. It's coming. My opinion's humble, but I'm not humble. Which I will not uh, sway you. So why are we having this conversation? Because you have a duty to talk to more audiences when you go on a show like Brian so Stelter. Sh- excuse me, me, let me finish. When you go on a show like Brian Stelter and character assassinate another human being. I did not character assassinate. Mental, when you talk about the mental, mental illness of the President of the United States, even your own profession, I'm not talking about the rules and the law, you even attack your own professional organization. What's the name of your organization again? The American Psychological Association. Uh, I read I'm, your I'm book. The My American Psychiatric Association. Excuse me. You even attack them. You even play with conspiracy theories that they must be under pressure or something because they and the overwhelming majority of psychiatrists in this country reject what you're doing, don't they? No. In fact, it's the opposite. The uh, the people who come and speak against me are only a handful and uh 
Ma'am, exactly. you have 36 people who've joined your, 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 your... Isn't it true you met with mostly Democrats on Capitol Hill on the 25th Amendment against the President of the United States? I never spoke about the 25th Amendment, and I stopped meeting with Congress members because there were no Republicans who would meet with me. I waited and waited for a year and a half, and they have not reached out to me. So I Maybe they disagree with you. One Democrat who is willing to bring together both parties. And what Democrat is that? John Yarmouth. John Yarmouth of Kentucky. Who used to be a Republican. Well, I don't care if he used to be an independent. It's irrelevant to me. This isn't about... See, for you, it's about politics. For me, is I sit back and I say, wow, we have a psychiatrist on TV pontificating about the mental health of the president, what a danger he is, how dangerous he is, how he needs to be removed, you talk about, how he must be defeated, and so forth and so on. There are hundreds of thousands of psychiatrists out there who would never do that sort of thing. Why is that? Can you, can you imagine a medical emergency that has, does not have to do with politics? Not everything is about politics. In fact, medicine is above politics. I, I have to take a break. Can you hold on, or do you want to go? Do you want to stay? Can you hold on? Uh, yeah, I can hold on. All right, we'll be right back. Thank you, Doctor. We'll be right back. Lovin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. seconds in this segment as we went as long as we possibly could with all our commercial breaks in the first segment. And I want to give her credit for appearing. But I do want her to continue. And I do want to continue to engage in this subject with Dr. Bandy Lee, medical doctor, academic, a Yale, and so forth. I shall return. With that voice now, 877-381-3811. We are back with Dr. Bandy X. Lee, assistant clinical professor at Yale, a medical doctor, psychiatrist, Dr. Lee. I had before me, and I ordered this some time ago, and it wasn't easy to find, this magazine called Fact. 
which yes. is the result of the Goldwater rule, as you know. Uh, yes, that's actually a long story. You said I could ask you questions. Oh, all right, right, go ahead. But 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 you're you're jumping yeah. in, and I, I I just want to finish this. Mm-hmm. And on the cover. It says 1,189 psychiatrists say Goldwater is psychologically unfit to be president. Did you ever read this magazine? Yes. I actually read the comments, too. And Um, and what do you make of them? So it was a survey of more than 12,000 psychiatrists, and only uh, about 1,100 responded. Right. and, uh, And it was you know, less than 10%. So less than 10% speaking irresponsibly is not a big deal, but it was a tabloid magazine which sensationalized the responses. And some were egregious, others were actually quite reasonable. And Barry Goldwater brought a lawsuit, right? Yes, and uh, he he won against the magazine, uh, and the American Psychiatric Association was embarrassed. So uh, in response to that, just added a, a rule that's actually, uh, the rule wasn't really necessary. It's more, it's an extension of good practice, not to diagnose. Well, they the restated the rule, didn't they, in 2017? What did they say? Oh, actually, they uh, created a new rule, a gag What did rule. they say? Um, so it used to be uh, you couldn't diagnose a public figure, but you should educate the public when asked about a public figure and educate in general terms. And it was part of participating in activities that improve the community and better public health because psychiatrists have a responsibility to society as well as to patients. And that's actually the context of the Goldwater You wrote the whole book, though. You weren't asked. You wrote an entire book. And by the way, let me just say this as a lawyer. The public was hungry uh, To America, New York Times versus Sullivan was was after this decision. So actually... So what happens is people can accuse people of all kinds of stuff now, public figures, and not be held to account legally. I Back then, you could you. be. May yes, I? what is it, doctor? How may I help you? Yes. As a medical professional, I actually prefer the human over the political level. I've never been interested in politics. I don't know what that means. Because, because it's ephemeral. I've what does that mean, political over human? More eternal. Doctor, doctor. I've been interested in more eternal things. Well, really? Meaning, well, Aristotle considered, Aristotle considered politics about humanity. Not just yes. about elections, not just about That's representative right. government. That's right. He so talked ho- lower, cl- lower. He talked about the polity. So when we talk about politics, we're not talking about you know raw poll numbers and something like that. We're talking about the body politics, society, the civil society. Go ahead. Question: You have wanted to do this interview. Someone pointed out to me a YouTube video where you were complaining that I, uh, I guess I, uh, consented and then declined. Why did you wish to do this interview? First of all, I don't remember saying you consented and declined. When did I say that, Mr. Producer? Never. Never. Why don't you send us a link? You send us a link to that YouTube video and I'll post it. I mean, my question is simply, why did you... Well, get your facts straight first. Now, what's your... Why did I want to do this interview? I'm going to tell you why. I read your book. I've been watching you on television. Mm -hmm. And I consider you a disgrace. And why is that? That's why. Because in my view, if you're a mental health professional, you don't go on 
to left-wing shows, Brian Stelter, all over MSNBC, advised Democrats in Congress. Excuse me. Well, you've been around. I've seen you. Promoting your book, promoting your position. You say you're a, you're a humanist, I think you said. You don't really want to get involved in politics. That's baloney. You're involved, excuse me, it's my observations now. I admit, not based on a medical training, but based on legal training and common sense. You have not only allowed yourselves to become a political plaything of the left, you are loving it. And so that is why I wanted you on this program. You disagree? You disagree? Uh, Well, uh, I mean, ma'am, ma'am, I am inside your head. You're inside my head. You're inside everybody's head. Go ahead. Look, look, I don't profit from the book. All the revenues are being I didn't say you profited from the book. Who said that? I don't benefit from public appearances. In fact, my reputation has I didn't say you do. You're Um, out there promoting a propagandistic point of view that is not based in medical science or in my view. This is just my opinion. Yes, yes. Or in, in normally accepted standards of your profession if i'm wrong i'm wrong that's my view uh yes because uh it's really unprecedented that so many mental health professionals have risen up uh for any president of any party in fact there are thousands who have formed uh, a coalition you're and damning your own profession i agree with you president because the apa was not acting on no, because the because so many psychiatrists are liberals the that's APA why favoring the government over protection of society. Now you sound that like a conspiracy theorist. So you're Don't saying your profe- excuse me, you're saying your professional organization is siding with the government against its members. Now the vast it majority of members don't believe that. So it said that it was doing so to protect federal funding. Anyhow, T- to protect uh, whose federal funding, doctor? The APA's federal funding. Uh, so Oh, oh so they're bought and paid. Hold on now. So they're bought and paid for the APA. So we should ignore them. Are you a Republican? I'm a conservative Republican, but sometimes I oppose Republicans. Have you ever voted for a Democrat? Never. Okay. Did you vote for Donald Trump? Yes. Now, would you say your views are objective? Yes. You try to discount my views, even though I am not a Democrat. I did not only vote for uh, for Democrats. You said you voted for one Republican, and you wouldn't tell me who. I've been more honest with you than you've been with me. Who did you vote for? Well, I told you I supported one. I was too you young. Supported one. I see. And now I believe I'm mis- I was mistaken. Okay. Um, now, uh, what else so, do you want to ask so me, Doctor? You discount my point of view based on. I don't discount your point of view at all. I think it's I a point. With, hold on now. I met with. You're putting words in my mouth. Even I don't. I I, excuse with. me. Excuse me. I don't discount your point of view. I think what you're doing is. In my personal opinion, grossly unprofessional. Uh, but I don't discount you your, your point of view. Grossly unprofessional? What's that? What's that? Were you saying your opinion is grossly unprofessional? No, yours. Yours. Oh, okay. Um, that's interesting. Why am I holding myself out as a medical doctor and doing psychoanalysis no, and, and doing all that stuff? No. About me not hearing my point of view. You have already I read your book. Your conclusion, and you will not be swayed. So why are we having this? Conclusion? Here's what I'll do. I'm going to give you 30 seconds without interruption to tell my audience yes. why you're right. Go ahead. Because I am concerned about humanity, and when there is a risk to its health and safety, I have an obligation, a professional obligation to society to speak up. And I have tried all... Uh, 
uh, uh, confidential avenues. I have tried to go about things a quiet way. It has not worked. And so my last resort is to be of service to the public. I'm, I'm pleading to the public because um, the public is also my responsibility uh, insofar as health is concerned. I am not acting as a political agent. I am not interested in politics. It is merely my trying to meet a medical need. And I would do the same if it were a Democratic president. What do you make, fair enough, what do you make of Joe Biden's mental health? Um, It seems like it's uh, not so perfect, but compared to Donald Trump, he's Ah. quite quite better off. And I believe he has the insight and integrity to pass off tasks if he were to become incapacitated. I'm not sure I could say the same about Mr. Trump. And uh, why, why, why do you assume that about Joe Biden? I don't assume that. I look at patterns of behavior. Oh, you know it as a fact. Very good. No, no. I have a hypothesis. Uh, well, we all have a hypothesis. Trump, I yes. had a hypothesis, and you test it over time. And if your hypothesis is met uh, time and time again, and in fact affirmed and completely turns out as you predicted, then you, uh, you assess the situation as um, consistent with your p- hypothesis. And that's been exactly the case with Mr. Trump. Yes, when we wrote the book, it was well, I asked you about Joe Biden, and you keep talking about Donald Trump. Is that a uh, yes, because psychological Mr. Biden issue? Is, not very is that it, is, is is hold on now? Is obsession a psychological issue? No, unless they become a danger to the public. That are you obsessed with Donald Trump? No, I'm concerned about the danger until it's removed. Well, we're all I'm, concerned about danger. I'm concerned about the danger, of Joe Biden. But that doesn't mean I'm going to just psychologically analyze the man uh, from afar. You said you're not a psychological professional, so I wouldn't expect you to. But I suspect 100,000 in your profession wouldn't do No, it's not your job. As a matter of fact, you just trashed your own association. You basically said they sold out to the federal government. Didn't you say that? No, the association did. When an institution does so, in, the order, association to make, did, right. in order to stand up for the integrity of my field, I will speak up. Because I'm an independent thinker. Have you, do you know who Florence not, Nightingale uh, was? I'm sorry? Do you know who Florence Nightingale was? Yes, of course. You sound like you have a Florence Nightingale complex. May I say that with all due respect? You're standing up for your profession. You, Dr. Bandy Lee. I think all professionals should stand up for their profession. They should not be just blind, obedient, uh, non-thinkers. They should not become technicians. They are professionals. Why do you, why do you assume... People in your profession who work hard every day to try and treat people who are troubled, who need help, are are blind uh, technicians as no, opposed not. to hold they're on not. as opposed to upholding the Hippocratic oath. You you do not realize just how many mental health professionals are eager to speak up, and uh, the APA placed a chilling effect on the entire profession. That's why thousands of them. The APA saved your profession. They, they they saved your profession because how do you know that? I tell you why I think that. And the reason is because people who need mental health, I assume, support or input or whatever the situation is, behavioral issues and so forth. They don't want to go to somebody who's going to go on TV and then start trashing a politician because she concludes from her own I'm broad, vast experience. Hold on now. In examining rallies. 
that the president of the United States, well, let me ask you this. Are the presidents, and you write about this, are the president's supporters equally uh, mentally uh, problematic? No, but they may uh, not recognize the signs. And so when they are supporting someone to their detriment, uh, I believe it's my duty to alert them about the situation, especially if there is harm. But, uh, but that's not what I, I asked you, the almost 63 million people who voted for him and like him. You know, he's got like 87, 90 percent support in the, in the Republican yeah. Party. Are those people, do they have mental issues? They are, they can be vulnerable to someone who is manipulative and deceptive. I I've see. seen judges be deceived by some defendants uh, when they are extraordinary. Okay. We're, we're not asking yeah. that. We're asking about 60-some million. Let me ask you, are Bernie Sanders supporters, are they, uh, do they have mental issues as a whole? Uh, why do you keep bringing up other people? I've never been because I'm exposing you. You're very, issues. you're very political, even though you I pretend never, not to be. I have never been concerned about. I've never been medically concerned about other political figures. That's my point, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, you're confusing a medical judgment with a political position. No, uh, actually, you are. You know, Doctor Lee, I think we've had a fair discussion here. Uh, <laughs> next time you see Brian Stelter on CNN, would you tell him I said hello, please? And well, uh, 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 a polite hello or an yeah, a polite hello. hello. <laughs> um, He's a nice little fella. Uh, and uh, if you uh, if you want to come back anytime you want to come back. Fair enough. I would willingly come back if we can actually have a conversation and not a fight. It's not a fight. It is, it is a debate. This is what makes America great. Remember our uh, founding principles, First not Amendment. Not you're not listening to me. <laughs> Ma'am, I've not only listened to you, I read your book. Did you read my books? Have you read any of my books? Um, no. Well, maybe no, next you haven't. time I will. Next no, you haven't, I but I read I, I yours. I know about them. I, uh, I would be interested in... All right. Will you uh, check out my latest book, Unfreedom of the Press? Okay. It doesn't even involve psychiatry or anything. Okay. So, All right, ma'am. Uh, okay, that's a date. All right. Thank you for your uh, for coming on the program. Okay, thank you. All right, God bless. I can say God bless, can I? <laughs> July and August are when the most burglaries occur. And what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. Maybe because most companies really don't make it easy. And that's why Simply Safe is my top choice, hands down. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring. Prices are always fair and honest. Around-the-clock monitoring is just 15 bucks a month. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When other home security systems are triggered, a lot of the time police assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list. But Simply Safe uses their video verification technology to visually confirm the break-in, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than with other home security companies. Visit simplysafemark.com. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial, so you've got nothing to lose. Go right now. Be sure you go to simplysafemark.com so they know I sent you. That's simplysafemark.com. Now, Mr. Producer, take that interview and somehow get it on the damn social sites. I loved it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Why don't you do that more often? Because they won't come on the program. That's the main reason. We'll talk more about this next hour. We only have a few minutes here. Congress may be out of session, but that doesn't mean politicians and bureaucrats have stopped plotting ways to increase government's control of our health care system. HHS is busy pushing international price controls, meaning they'll only buy the medicines for those on Medicare that are as cheap as the ones in Europe. Now, guess what? They're cheap because Europe's socialist countries aren't willing to pay for the latest and greatest in medicine breakthroughs. And over in the Senate, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley said in an interview that the Senate staffers have set the stage with House Democrats to negotiate a prescription drug bill that puts price controls, price controls, and a Medicare Part D. So filled with socialist ideas, the bill would be a major step in making us look more like the European countries that Democrats idolize, despite the fact they're rationing care and restricting access to needed treatments. Plus, the, <laughs> these arbitrary price controls would eliminate investment for the breakthrough treatments people hope for. Senate Majority Leader McConnell needs to stand up for a sound, principled health care reform, not fall for a Democrat trap towards socialized medicine and a government-run health care system. This nonsense needs to stop. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Now, look, I've got a lot I want to get into in the next hour, including your calls. But um, I thought it was important, and I was very pleased that Dr. Bandy X. Lee, a psychiatrist, among other things, uh, was willing to come on the program. And it's in that spirit that I invite Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, any Democrat running for President of the United States to come on the program. Any. I would invite any Democrat in the Senate, in the House, who's proposing Medicare for all to come on the program. Any Democrat in the Senate or the House who's proposing a wealth tax to come on the program. All right, folks, a big hour left. I'll be right back. He's here. 
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, look. I've got a lot here, but there are certain individuals, including mental health professionals, who want to uh, participate in tonight's program after the uh, stellar interview that I conducted in the second hour of the program with Dr. Uh, Bandy X. Lee of Yale College. And so let's jump in with a few. Sandy Hodges, MD, Hertford, North Carolina, a psychiatrist. How are you, doctor? Oh, I'm just, uh, I'm just absorbing <laughs> the content of this individual's concern. Mm-hmm. Um, other than a increased issue or at what I can observe. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, I can't place any diagnosis on this. No. But an increased need for validation of her beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, which could probably drive her to the media. It's certainly concerning, but not diagnosed, not diagnostic. Mm-hmm. Now, the issue of the DSM five. Now, many hold on. Now, the, what's the DSM five? It is a criteria that is mm-hmm. used for the diagnosis of mental disorders, mental health disorders, mm-hmm. and it is very, very um, select in what um, the criteria for the diagnosis is. However, any psychiatrist with any uh, sense, number one, would follow that criteria, and that includes an evaluation of not only the individual, the client, but the client's family, because those interactions with the family would glean more about the patient's needs and diagnosis. In other words, they most definitely can validate what the psychiatrist is seeing in the evaluation. So no diagnostic, no diagnosis can ever, uh, particularly of any narcissistic type disorder, 
can ever be gleaned without a look at the family dynamic. But here's what she says in her book. She tries to get around that, in my view. She says, assessing dangerousness is different from making a diagnosis. A diagnosis. It is dependent on the situation, not the person. Now, that's a bizarre statement, don't you think? Uh, it doesn't fit with any criteria. Uh, anything. Which is the point, isn't when it? When she talks about, I have to push back, she talks about hypothesis. All right? Uh, you know, any scientist in the right mind understands that hypothesis is not law. Mm-hmm. It has to be proven. Hypothesis mm-hmm. is an idea, a thought, a belief. But without being proven, it is garbage, garbage science. But, Doctor, she so, says it's proven by Trump's subsequent actions. This is why I know she's highly political. Um, well, number one, any actions that he takes are for uh, strategic strategic issues that relate to our global dynamics. It has absolutely nothing to do with an examination of Mr. Trump as president, Mr. Trump as patient, being evaluated in a clinical, in a clinical uh, examination where the family is brought in to discuss. All right, I'm running out of time. Let me ask you something. The American Psychiatric Association, is it on the take from the federal government, like she basically said? No. I didn't even understand that point. No. Of course, it has its lobbying, like every the American Medical Association has. There is a great deal of lobbying that goes on in these organizations, whether it be the American Medical Association or any other. But it is not on the take. It does not receive federal funds from the government. It is she said it does. independent organization. All right. Doctor, thank you for your input. I appreciate that. Let's go to a doctor of psychology, Elizabeth Lake Worth, Florida, the great WJNO. Uh, what did you make of what you heard? I was so professionally offended by her willingness to go out and make opinions about two people who she has not evaluated. Mm -hmm. She hasn't evaluated Joe Biden. She cannot compare him to Donald Trump, who she also has not evaluated. It's so unethical that anything she says should be completely discarded. Mm -hmm. But the media love her. Great. Let them love her. The media love lots of things that are not true. Listen, just as a pedestrian here, having read her book and the 27 essays in her book, listening to her, listening to her now, especially when I interviewed her, I I honestly don't know how a psychiatrist can, and and I'm not trying to attack her now that she's gone, I'm I'm just being honest, how a psychiatrist can conduct him or herself this way. And then say, I'm not political, knowing full well that the whole thing's being politicized. She's not objective. She's not professional. She's not credible. And she's not reliable. Those are all things that our mental health professionals have to be. And to give her 
any more airtime, any more publicity is is absolutely ridiculous. Why do you think Brian Stelter brings him on his show on CNN? Because he has an agenda, and she has the same agenda. It, it's unprofessional. I haven't evaluated either of those gentlemen, so I won't comment on their mental stability. I won't comment on how they can govern a country or not. It's unprofessional. And people who give credence to that are equally unreliable and unprofessional. Like the media. It's absolutely. it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. And I would thank you for your call, doctor. It's absolutely incredible to me. And I am just very pleased I had an opportunity to talk to Dr. Lee because I don't normally get an opportunity to talk to any of these people. But also notice her view of Trump's supporters. Did you notice that, Mr. Producer? Tens of millions of Trump supporters. That was pretty incredible, too. Disturbing, many of them. Cindy, Mountain View, California, the great KSFO. Did you catch that? Mark, hi. You're absolutely right. She actually said it. You heard it. That anyone who disagrees with her view, or all of those people, that someone who is a Trump voter, a Trump supporter, we can't be trusted with our own opinions. We we certainly we must be mentally retarded, also, because and they're going to tell well, us. Well, she didn't say that. She said it's disturbing. I believe was the phrase. Well, that's exact. Yes, yes. That I'm a disturbing person. I can't be trusted to have my own thoughts that I can't be trusted to have my own vote. And she actually said that. And it's what you've been saying all along. If we don't agree with them, they're going to turn it into a character flaw. And now it's a mental problem that we all have. And what's interesting also is you hear exactly the same kind of thing said on MSNBC, on the Joe Scarborough program, exactly the same kind of stuff that is said by Don Lemon and among others. In other words, there's, there's this overlap. And the reason is they cherry-pick their so-called experts. They cherry-pick their guests. This is what Brian Stelter does. Brian Stelter is a propagandist. Brian Stelter is the modern-day Walter Durante. And there are many of them. There are many of them. I, I, I want to amend something. I said they're all Fredos. No, they're all, they're all Walter Durantes. He was a propagandist for Stalin. These people are propagandists for the left for the progressive movement, for the Democrat Party, for the most part. And the evidence abounds. The evidence is overwhelming in Chapter 1 of my book, and the evidence is right in front of your face. And by you doing the in-depth conversation, you get to the point. You get them past their talking points, and there they are. They hang themselves. Thank you so much for doing it. I love your Levin TV on Sunday night because you go in-depth. You've taught us how to think and how to talk, and how to counterbalance. Can't thank you enough. Oh, you're very sweet. I'm sure that I'm some kind of psycho in their view, that's for sure. Patrick, Gardnerville, Nevada, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Mark, how are you, my national hero? Very well, thank you, sir. I'll tell you, I laughed and laughed and laughed with uh, with that gal. She, she's a shill. She was reading tarot cards with a, with a shell game going back and forth, I found no credibility in anything that she said. And she is a, a left propagandist. I mean, 
she, she, Mark, she exposed herself. Well, she is a, uh, a, a highly educated uh, psychiatrist. I mean, she teaches well, at Yale. Mark, the world's full of educated derelicts. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. of States event last weekend. It was spectacular. Spectacular. Mark Meckler and Article 5 Convention of States. Tom Coburn was there, my buddy Chuck Cooper. Tom Coburn is a national hero. A national hero. And I want you to know this movement is not only alive and well, it is hyper-vibrant. They have state officials within the organization, regional officials within the organization, targeting states like Michigan and Pennsylvania that still have Republican legislatures. Fifteen states have passed it. This is our governing salvation, Article 5 Convention of States. I don't talk about it now and then. I live it and breathe it. But I want to thank the folks there. Absolutely wonderful. And the... uh, Tea Party is going to be holding an event soon. I'm not going to comment on it. I don't know if we've informed them yet, but I will be participating in that. Because I believe in these things, and we need them now more than ever, and we need to help the President of the United States and support his, uh, his many efforts. By the way, do you see that guy, Brett Stevens, who I was mocking, who writes or wrote for the New York Slimes? A bought and paid for hack. So he goes after, as I understand it, I honestly, I was busy today and I didn't feel like studying it, but as I understand it in, in passing, so I may not have all the particulars right, he was annoyed at some professor or something that called him a bed bug, Mr. Producers. Was that, was that about right? This, this is where our media are today, even conservative media. And uh, apparently uh, he complained to the professor's boss. That he was called a bed bug. Didn't I call him a hemorrhoid or something like that? Maybe I didn't. Well, I think he's a hemorrhoid. Let him complain to my boss. My boss will laugh. But when I think of Brett Stevens, I think of a hemorrhoid. Not that I've ever had any. You understand. Clintonoid, hemorrhoid, that sort of thing. Faye, Youngstown, Ohio. Sirius Satellite. How are you, Faye? Thank you for taking my call. This is my first time, but I just wanted to say um, I just don't understand why we're not just calling out the Dems, the Democratic leaders and those who are adding fuel to their fire. They hate America. Trump is their fall guy, their scapegoat. But the bottom line is they hate America. And we need to just call it out for what it is. Well, let me say this. Faye, and I'm the one who pointed out that if you want to fundamentally transform America, you must not love America, because you don't need to fundamentally transform someone or something that you love. All these proposals being made, all the talk about America being racist, all the talk about America um, being, uh, you know, our capitalist system is destructive to this group and that group, and on and on and on. 
Yes, they hate America. And you're right. It's about time everybody says it. I say it. Their policies are un-American. Their attacks on the Constitution and the Declaration. Look at the damn New York Times. America started, was founded in slavery. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Take our lead from the New York Times that hires anti-Semites and then writes these articles afterwards, pretends they don't exist while attacking conservatives who point it out. They should be cheering conservatives who point it out. Meanwhile, they defend Omar and Talib, and when the President of the United States rightly condemns them, he's attacked as an anti-Semite and racist. We're not putting up with this crap anymore. We're just not doing it. Well, Faye, thank you for your call, my friend. I'm sure if Dr. Lee is listening, can you imagine, Rich? Now, I'm doing this from a distance, but I believe he's a danger to society. I Somebody should red flag him, white flag him, all kinds of flags on him. Uh, Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, Let's see. Eric, Fountain Hills, Arizona, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for coming out to the Reagan Library. I hope you get going on that next book. I miss you already. (laughs) Oh, thanks, buddy. We come out there every time. I love John Highbush and his operation there. It's magnificent. Yeah, third straight time for the uh, Levin family reunion. Re- reunion, I appreciate it. So here's Thank what you. is so interesting. So she doesn't diagnose Trump from afar, but so conveniently refers to the ecology, which means all these humans that she has diagnosed from afar as being absolutely of sound mind, sound judgment, irrefutable. They're triggered by Trump. Isn't that convenient? What about all the rest of us who are perfectly happy with the job he's doing? We don't count. So what about that? How can she uh, diagnose these? uh, Well, you're asking rhetorically, and you're right. And did you get a sense, even though she was was very polite, very soft-spoken, although from time to time interrupted, as I did her, I did the best I could, an incredible arrogance. Did you notice that? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, doesn't that go hand-in-hand with leftists? Uh, It's sort of like standard equipment. And she denies being a leftist. I don't know how she can deny it, do you? Well, you know, I always like your little uh, reference to Helen Keller, so even Helen Keller can see that uh, she's got the arrogance uh, of, of a bona fide leftist. All right, my friend. But she uses a, a mitten, not an iron fist. Did you notice that, Mr. Producer? Her words are brass knuckle, but they're delivered in a mitten. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-381. 3811. There's a section in Unfreedom of the Press on Dr. Lee, some of these other essays, as well as other individuals who have used the mental illness attack on the President of the United States. And I would like to strongly encourage you to read it. See, I read what she said, I knew what she was doing. I bet I read more than any of the leftists on MSNBC and CNN who've interviewed her. I read the Goldwater Rule. I went and ordered, and it wasn't easy to find, the original copy of the uh, September-slash-October magazine called Fact, in which Goldwater was absolutely character-assassinated. 
And he brought a lawsuit and he won damages and shut down the magazine. Because of the New York Times versus Sullivan decision today, that couldn't happen. That decision has unleashed what we see in the media today. Not a free press, but a propaganda press. They can call a president Hitler and Stalin and all the rest of it. And all the rest of it, it is a disgrace. It's one of the reasons I started Levin TV. You see protesters and citizens in Hong Kong rising up against the totalitarian communist regime in Beijing. Rabid anti-Semites. Handful, but nonetheless spreading in the Democrat Party and in Congress and in the media. Tens of thousands of illegal aliens continue to try and cross our border. And what's the biggest story? Well, after failing on all the other fronts, it's now a disgusting attempt to brand the president and Americans who voted for him as racists. Now, it can get exhausting. But where can you tune in each and every day for real, relevant, and meaningful information? Pro-American. Well, it's Levin TV. At Levin TV, you'll get my uncensored, unfiltered take on what's taking place in this country, as well as my unique approach with history, economics, philosophy, you name it. Sign up by going to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com, or give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-L-E-V-I-N-T-V. Make sure you enter promo code LEVIN, and you'll get $10 off your annual subscription. That's levintv.com, promo code LEVIN, for $10 off your annual subscription. Now look, I was going to get the other stuff. Let me hit one thing, and then we'll get back to the calls. You know how people were mocking the President of the United States when he said, Businesses should stop doing business in China. And if I want, I can stop them. Oh, my God. He must be Hitler. Well, you may or may not agree with that. I'm not exactly excited about that. Doing business in China, we shouldn't. But I'm not in favor of necessarily that kind of power. And yet here we are, Washington Examiner, Sean Higgins, legal scholars and trade policy experts say that President Trump is right to claim broad powers to prohibit companies from trading with foreign countries thanks to a 1977 law that has previously not garnered much attention outside the context of national security. The the law, called the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, was signed by Jimmy Carter. I think he was a Democrat. Gives the president sweeping powers to restrict trade once a, quote, national emergency, unquote, is declared. The president can impose a virtual embargo on a nation under this law, said John Yu, director of the Public Law and Policy Program, University of California at Berkeley, and former official in George W. Bush's Office of Legal Counsel. Law has been used in the past to enact sanctions on hostile regimes like Cuba, Iran, North Korea, and Syria. Now, did you get any of that from the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, the Constipated News Network, or MSLSD? No. The Democrats passed that law in 1977. They controlled Congress. The Democrat president signed it. Is he Hitler? Are they Hitler? It's just amazing how this stuff is going. He said, what? 
is going to stop companies from doing business in China. And Trump says, you know, I have that power if I want to do it. He does. Thanks to Jimmy Carter and the Democrats. Again, I'm not hot on it. But the fact is, he does. Brian Stelter's head's going to explode. As a matter of fact, it's explode, exploded many, many times. Which accounts for that very, very constipated look on his face. Let us continue. Dr. Jonathan, Cleveland, Ohio, XM Satellite. How are you, doctor? Doing well, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. What uh, kind of doctor are you, sir? I'm an internist, internal medicine. An internist. All right, my friend. Go right ahead. Um, I just want to tell you, I have, I have ten books of yours. Um, and I've been handing Thank them you. out. I also buy, I bought a signed copy from the collectible website. Um, so I have those, and I'm, and I'm handing those out, and people are loving them. Um, Thank in, you. In terms of Dr. Lee, listening to your interview, which was great, um, I couldn't help but think how many physicians slash psychiatrists there must be in, in Trump land as Trump supporters. And my question is, you know, are we persuadable too to the you know the effects of Trump? And it just it dawned on me as you were talking to her about this, and as she was making her point about us being persuadable, that I took a little bit of an offense to that because I I think I'm a pretty even keeled, even minded individual, an educated person, and I just wanted your thoughts on that. I thought her comments. Uh, all right, I'm just being honest. Were kind of loony. And conspiratorial absolutely. and arrogant and absolutely <clears throat> um, unencumbered by any evidence whatsoever. Her comments were like broad political platitudes. That's how I took it. Am I wrong? No, you're correct. And, and I, I didn't quite understand how she was diagnosing from afar. You know, Because it, it, she says in her book, and she didn't articulate it that well, but she says in her book, look— I don't have to specifically diagnose somebody to see how they act and interact in the ecology of the general community and if they're a danger or not. I can tell if somebody's dangerous by the way they talk, to whom they talk, the way they act, without sitting down and interviewing them. But you're dressing it up as, as, as a medical science, even though you claim not to be. somebody with a heart attack by just looking at them, you know. Although you probably could if they're in the middle of having one, because I've had one. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess. But I get your point. In other words, in other words, you need to really look at somebody to under, to, to, uh, she's a medical doctor for crying out loud. I know. Well, I, I just wanted to bring that point out. I took, took great offense to what she had said about, about us being Trump supporters. And, uh, I just wanted to make my voice heard. You're very dismaying to her. All right, Dr. John, thank you for your call. Let's continue, shall we? Lou, Milford, Connecticut, the great WABC, our buddy Lou, go. My radio hero, for the purposes of this call, may I be referred to as doctor? (laughs) Because (laughs) I have as much credibility. Why, we're all doctors now? (laughs) Uh, you know what the funniest part about that interview was? No. <laughs> when you told her to, to give, to say hello to Brian Stelter. <laughs> well, oh. what's wrong with that? I'm a, I'm a gentleman. <laughs> Listen, from the beginning, you completely tripped her up. Her, 
she had zero credibility professing to know about our founding and then couldn't answer a basic question about the Second Amendment. Uh, I happen to have a first cousin who's a graduate of Yale Medical School, and I know he wouldn't have been tripped up by that question. Uh, it, it's she, she, there's no she doesn't believe in the Bill of Rights. Well, and and even private property rights. I I think we've gone too far, she says. I don't know what that means. What it means is she's a a communist. No, I don't know if she's a communist. But but she's definitely a leftist, in my humble opinion. I don't don't think she wanted to reveal that. But but look, she can define herself any way she wants to. She believes in an autocratic government. And the control is by her side and by her definition. And the fact that she extended it to Trump supporters from afar just means she has zero credibility. I, I, I'm, I'm aghast at this, and you expose this, and I hope this gets spread around. I hope Mr. Producer is able to get it up on the, on the site so we can pass it around. Uh, it's, it's, it's an abomination. It, it really is the fact that the the cable channels use this as their go-to person. She wasn't uh, accredited for a very long period of time. In fact, when she first hit the airwaves, she wasn't even licensed in Connecticut, and she was teaching at Yale you know, Medical School. I believe she has since remedied that. But honestly, uh, and that may be true, but I don't know anything about that. But the fact that she wasn't at the time was is of concern to me. Um, well, it was a, it, uh, she obviously didn't know who she was dealing with when she accepted the interview, which... <clears throat> well, I don't know about that. Lou, thanks for your call, buddy. Mr. Producer, wasn't, weren't they tweeting about me on her site there? On Twitter. They were Twittering. All right, let's slip in another call. Uh, Harrison, Gulversville, New York, the great WABC. Go. Yes, <laughs> I I love the way she said she was not political and that she did support a Republican. Of course, she was underage at the time. But then when she got older and really realized she was she was glad she hadn't. In other words, she's telling you, yeah, I'm a leftist and there's no single Republican I could support because I don't like what they believe in. And she didn't even know she was admitting that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just twisted it around like a pretzel. I loved it. Every minute of it. Well, I think I was mostly polite, though, right? Oh, you were polite, but what happened was you threw her so far off guard because she was trying to formulate her thoughts such as they were, and she couldn't she couldn't cut through. She, you just completely flummoxed her for a Well, I, I had some stuff. questions I wanted to ask, you know, like... Uh... Well, anyway, you heard with an agenda and you you were not on my show. (laughs) Well, I I really think she wanted to have the airways to herself. But I I had points I wanted to make because, you know, that might be the only time I have an opportunity to interview the lady. And like what party do you belong to? Are you liberal? Uh, What about our founding principles? Um, So forth and so on. I I think she exposed herself. Harrison, thank you, my friend. This is what people want to talk about. Who am I to say no? Robert. Well, I'll tell you what, Robert. We'll get right back to you. We'll be right back. Mark in.
Ladies and gentlemen, the summer inventory clearance sale from Chamonix is here. So right now when you order Genesel Drawline Treatment, you will get the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness. Free. Free. Today. Here's Cheryl from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Wow, the very first time I tried it, I could immediately feel the tightening sensation. I've been using it for a week and the results are very visible. My jawline looks so much younger. Using MDL technology and Chamonix's proprietary base, Genesel's new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin around the neck and jaw for tight, healthy, younger-looking skin. Results guaranteed. Listen to this. Results guaranteed or 100% or your money back. No questions asked. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, Genesel immediate effects is also free. Order now and their legendary collagen builder, also free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. Get your two free gifts and free express shipping. Order now before this crazy offer is gone. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. All right. Lynette Spokane, Washington, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? For taking my call. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey, hey there's just two quick points I wanted to make. And, and one was, I, I'm a firm believer in stewardship, but in Dr. Lee's case, her attitude of, of basically thinking she knows better than the rest of us, it, mm-hmm. it's borderline narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And, and the second point um, was that what I find disturbing, and, and you know, I talked to your call screener. Um, I, I did uh, almost 29 years in the military. Thank you. Retired a sergeant major. And, and, and well, 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 slow down. That's a big deal. Congratulations. Well, no, thank you. I, uh, I could not have done what I did without my husband and my daughter's support. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost my husband back in 2013, and I wanted to stick oh, it I'm out sorry. to 30, 32. And um, that's a whole different subject. And, and my, my feelings that I lost him because of the um, military medical um, mm-hmm. machine. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a whole different subject. But, but you know, what I find disturbing, and I, I see a lot in our elected leaders, AOC, I, I use the term leaders uh, mildly, mm-hmm. that they, and, and this seems to be the general population, and Dr. Lee, I hope she's listening. Mm-hmm. Lady, you need to crack a copy of the, of the Constitution. Hillsdale College will send you a free, co- a free copy. Um, but what I found what, what, what did you that, What did you make of her generally? I I really felt like she was narcissistic, um, and I, I have no psychological training. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, had to counsel soldiers. But you're looking at the entire ecology of the situation. <laughs> it, that's a narcissist mm-hmm. to think that she knows better than the rest of us. That she can can put out a, a, a diagnosis on how the president's affecting the rest of this country. You know what? He's he's I I, I served under five different presidents. Mm-hmm. And and I regret that that the paperwork that I received when I retired had had Millhouse's signature on it, <laughs> or stamped signature. But uh, 
but you know it's very important that we're all stewards and and every everyone listening to your show be that steward of the constitution that dr lee is not well lynette thank you very very much for your service and your brilliant call don't hang up i want to send you a signed copy of unfreedom of the press thank you and ladies and gentlemen I want to encourage those of you who have not acquired your copy yet. It'll be eye-opening for you. Ask anybody who's already bought it and read it or listened to the audio or got the e-book. I'm just encouraging you to get a copy of Unfreedom of the Press because you heard what took place tonight. I explain these various things that are going on so we can unravel them and then put them back together again. If you have a copy, please consider sharing that with somebody. Maybe getting another copy for yourself. This needs to be a movement, a movement of knowledge, a movement of information, just like the early patriot colonial pamphlet writers. We have to bypass the unfree press. We have to communicate with each other in our homes, in our communities, in our churches and synagogues. That's what we have to do. And I'm hoping that Unfreedom of the Press is serving those of you who have it as a Thomas Paine-type pamphlet. And those of you who don't have it, I hope you will consider doing so tonight at Amazon.com. Once we do get the audio of the interview, we will post it on my social sites immediately for you. It'll be relatively shortly this evening. And uh, if you want, you can share that with other people, too. If not, no big deal. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all law enforcement. Thank you. And thank you, Levinites out there. What would I do without you? Our big family. God bless each and every one of you, and I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.